All right. Did you like that dramatic, dramatic introduction? Um, how many of you, let me just start with a question. How many of you would like for 2017 to be better for you than 2016 was for you? How many of you would like that? Okay, how many of you conversely would actually like 2017 to be a worse year for you than to that? Nobody, there's nobody that said the awesomeness of 2016 was so great that I can't stand it and I need to downgrade for, nobody? Okay, good. The truth is everybody here, we come to church because we want a better life. We come to church hoping to find a better life for ourselves. And as we launch into 2017, we desire to experience a better life. We want our relationships to be better. We want our finances to be better. We want our job to go better. We want to make better decisions in 2017 than we did in 2016. We want a better life, right? Every single one of us. That's why we come, because we're seeking a better life. Well, if that is you, then you are in the right place today, because we're launching a, a series based upon a book by one of my favorite pastors. Uh, his name is Dr. Tony Evans, and he wrote a book called Kingdom Agenda. My guy's life group, this last semester, semester we spent several weeks studying, um, going through this study, this Bible study called The Kingdom Agenda. And the premise of the, of this, of the book is this. Following God's agenda for our life produces a dramatically better life for us than when we follow our own agenda. When God becomes the king over all of our life, comprehensively over our entire life, our, our relationship, our finances, our job, our attitude, everything, we experience a radically better life with God as king than we do with ourselves as king. So for the next several weeks, I just want to encourage you to come bring a friend, and let's explore together what our life might look like, like in 2017 if God was king over every single area of our life. How many of you have ever been to an escape room? You know what an escape room is? Anybody ever been to one? Okay, so it's this sort of like craze that's, that's sweeping the nation, and, and, and it's sort of a bizarre concept because what happens is uh, they, they, you, you go to this place, and, and there's one upstairs called the Red Herring Escape Room. Our staff actually went there for Christmas. It's sort of a bizarre idea. You go into a room, they lock you in. Okay, so some of you are going, I already don't like this, right? So they lock you into a room, and in the room, there, there's a set of clues. And the set of clues lead you to a treasure. And when you find the treasure, then you can escape from the room. And you have an hour to do it. And if you don't find the treasure within that allotted hour, then they kick you out of the room empty-handed. And you actually pay for this. I mean, it's sort of a, it's sort of a strange, strange concept. So we went in, our staff went in to the Red Herring escape room, and we're looking around for clues, and we're trying to find clues because we're trying to find the treasure, right? And the reason it's called Red Herring is sometimes the clues will lead you down the wrong path. It'll be a red herring. You'll follow the red herring. You'll end up going down a rabbit trail and you end up not finding the thing that you wanted to find. And if you get stuck, here's the, here's the benefit. If you get stuck, there's a big camera on the wall in your room. And you can turn to the camera and behind the camera on the other side of the room is the owner and founder of Red Herring Escape Room. His name's Brian. And you can say, Brian, we're stuck. We need help. And then Brian will type a 
clue onto the screen that's in your room and it'll say, you know, try this or try that. And then that will help you to get to the next clue and ultimately lead you to the treasure and escaping from the room. I would like for you to know that the staff of U City Family Church found the treasure and escaped from the room with 13 minutes left to spare. Okay? We did have to ask Brian for a couple clues. Can we delete that from the video? We don't want everyone to know. Okay. Um, for a lot of people, life is like an escape room. They're seeking for a treasure called a better life. It's an elusive treasure. They don't know exactly what it looks like, but they know it's what they want. And they might think that the way they achieve that treasure is by just enhancing the life that they've got. A little bit more money, a little bit more power, a little bit more fame, a little bit more health, a little bit more wealth, a little bit more of the life that we've got. And we think if we can find that treasure, then we will have a better life. And we know we've got an allotted time in which to do it. We don't know what that time is, but we know that there's an allotted time. And if we don't find that treasure within the allotted time, we get booted out of the room without the treasure in our hands. And in life, sometimes we follow wrong clues. I don't know if any of you have ever chased a rabbit trail in your life. You were seeking something. You thought you were going to find it. You, you followed a certain path, and then you discovered that the thing you were looking for, you didn't discover it. You didn't find it. You didn't grasp that treasure, right? Red herrings in life. Here's the, the great thing, though, about life, especially if you're here this week and, and this morning. We can look to the owner and the founder and the creator of life itself, and we can say, God, we're stuck and we need some help getting from where we are to where we want to go. We need some help finding some, the treasure that we are seeking. And if we look closely at the scriptures, especially the gospels, looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus, what we find is that he spent the entirety of his career, the entirety of his ministry, inviting people to this better life. It wasn't just an upgraded version of the life they had. It was a radically different life, and he called it the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I want to invite you into the kingdom of God. I want to show you how to live in the kingdom of God, and I want to teach you how to expand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a better version of your current life. It's a completely different life. That's why he says, if you want to, be, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again, is the phrase that they use, that he uses. Because it's a totally different life than the upgraded version. It's not the 2.0 version of you. It's a completely different life. And if you look at what he says about his own mission, this is what he says in uh, Luke chapter 4. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Why? Because that is the very reason that I came. My purpose here, Jesus said, is to proclaim this radically different life, this radically new life to which I am inviting you. And when he was speaking to a group of people who thought that the treasure they were seeking was just a better version of the life they had, a little bit more money, a little bit more wealth, a little bit more health, a little bit more prosperity, Jesus said, why are you worrying about those things? He said, your heavenly father knows what you need. And then they said this, but seek first, what? The kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto you. 
He said, I'm not trying to get you to have a slightly better version of your current life. I want, to enter, I want you to enter into a transformed life, a completely different life than the life you are currently living in. Now, when, when I hear this phrase, kingdom of God, and I think this is why it's hard to preach on this topic, because most of us are, you know, from the United States of America, right? Most of us. Uh, and we live in a, a democratic republic or a democracy or whatever you want to call it, right? So our understanding of governance is there's a separation of powers. There's an executive branch, a legislative branch, a judicial branch, and these branches work together and there are checks and balances. So when we think of kingdom, we think of some sort of like ancient, arcane, archaic, antiquated form of government that it's kind of hard to wrap our heads around it. But a kingdom simply is everything under the rule of a king. A kingdom, in, in a kingdom, the king's word is law. In fact, the kingdom is defined, not necessarily by geography, but the kingdom is def- a kingdom is defined by everything that falls under the jurisdiction of a particular king. That's what the kingdom is. So when Jesus says, I want to invite you into the kingdom of God, he's not saying I want to take you off into some geographical place or some land in the sky He's saying, what I want you to do is so I want, I want you to allow God to rule over every aspect of your life. The kingdom of God, for the, the definition of, of the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is this. It's the active demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. In other words, when our thoughts and our words and our deeds and our actions are submitted to God, to his kingdom, to his kingship, to his reign, to his rule, then we enter into his kingdom. We enter into his kingdom by allowing him to be our king. So Jesus says, I want to invite you into a kingdom wherein God becomes your king in every area of life. And then when a group of people collectively begin to do that, they are expanding the kingdom. And then when they act out in the way that Jesus is calling them to act out in the world, they are further expanding the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, in fact, when you listen to Jesus' parables, he's always saying over and over, the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like a treasure in a field. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. The kingdom is, and all he's talking about is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like when Jesus becomes, or when God becomes your king in every aspect of your life. Now, for us, when we think of a kingdom, for me anyway, the, the only one that actually comes to mind is like the United Kingdom. You know, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland or, you know, whatever it's called now, you know, I mean, it's like, and so in, in my mind, I think of that, and then, you know, and, and that's not a really compelling sort of kingdom for me, because like, the monarch, and, and, and you know, she's sweet, but, but the monarch of the, of the king, of, of England is, is, is this very dear lady right here, uh, Queen Elizabeth, and she's a sweet, sweet person, right, but you don't, you don't see her as effectuating you know, reign and rule over the United Kingdom. She's really a figurehead, right? She's a representational monarch. She's a representational leader. People will, you know, curtsy to her or bow to her or bring her out on special occasions for speeches and, you know, and and they'll treat her with dignity and respect. And if she was here today, that's how we would treat her. But she doesn't actually have any power over the United Kingdom. She doesn't rule or reign over the United Kingdom. And if she were here today, we would not grant her any power over our life. A lot of us call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we may tend to treat God like we would treat the Queen of England. 
on ceremonial occasions, we show him a certain regard and a certain respect. We bow our head, we curtsy, we honor him, but he doesn't rule and reign over every aspect of our life. And Jesus is saying, I want to invite you into a totally different life where God is king over your relationships, over your home, over your future, over your hopes, over your fears, over your goals, over your sins, over your past. I want to invite you into a kingdom where God rules and reigns supreme. Now, I'm a, I'm a, a, a big fan of mixed martial arts and boxing and fighting, and so you just have to forgive me because I have to include uh, uh, some fighting illustration once a quarter into the sermon, and, and here it is. Um, when, when, a, when, a, when a fighter is getting ready for a fight, they go into what's called a training camp. And for six to eight weeks, that fighter, all they do, they eat, sleep, drink, talk, think, victory. All they do is think about the fight that they're about to, to get into. They spar, they train, they sweat, they cut weight. They, they actually leave home a lot of times and will go to a totally different place and just, just become saturated and absorbed by their desire to win this fight. Jesus is saying to us, I want to saturate and soak every aspect of your life. I don't, I don't want you to be distracted by other agendas. I don't want you to be distracted by your own agenda. I want to be king over all your life. I want you to pursue me with your heart, soul, mind, and body. I want you to love me with everything you've got and to let me rule your life. And when you do that, I transform your life and turn you into something else. I make you into, I, I give you that better life that you've been seeking if you will pursue me and follow me with everything that you've got. Now, we want to know, all right, so what does this kingdom look like, right? What does it look like when we, when we begin to follow God and let him rule and reign over our entire life? And the, the people in Jesus' life, in Jesus' time, they, they thought that he was talking about like actual physical kingdom. He was going to have a coup, an insurrection against the Roman government. And he would set himself up on a throne and he would be king and he would take over. In fact, that's why he was arrested. Because they, they told the Roman government, like, hey, this guy wants to be king. He wants to take your job. And so the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, comes to Jesus and he asked him point blank. This is what he says. He said, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Like, is this what your game plan is? Are you trying to take my job, right? Are you becoming king? And I, I love Jesus' answer. Listen to what he says and listen to what he doesn't say. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So he doesn't say, I'm not a king. And he doesn't say, my kingdom is not in this world. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom, he said, is from another place. First thing that Jesus is trying to show us in this passage is that his kingdom is not from this world. That means that we cannot enter into his kingdom through any action of our own. We cannot enter into his kingdom by any habit or discipline or earthly thing that we drum up. We enter into his kingdom by accepting him as king over our life. When he becomes king, we enter into his kingdom. When you were a little kid and you were in school, you said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. 
you'd stand before the flag and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? So you were, you were acknowledging that you were a citizen of this nation, if, 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 if you're from here. And we did this as, a, you know, as children growing up. Uh, recently, within the last few years, some of my family have been tracing our family's genealogy and our ancestry back to uh, a group of people who were on what's called the Dawes Roll. And the Dawes Roll was a, was a roll that was taken by the federal government in 1863, I believe, uh, of all of the Native Americans who were known at that time in our country. And so our family traced our lineage back to some people that were on the Dawes Roll. And once that happened, then I was able to submit some paperwork. And this year I submitted some paperwork to the Cherokee Nation. And two weeks ago, I get a, I get a, a letter in the mail. And in the letter is this little blue card. And it's got some language on it that I don't understand. And then it has this. It says, this card shows the above-named person, which is Brent Edward Rome, to be a certified, it says, citizen of the Cherokee Nation. So that means while I am a citizen of the United States of America, because of my ancestry and because of, of my lineage, I am now officially a, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. Jesus is saying, look, you may be a citizen of this country. You may have your identity and your ethnicity or in your culture or in your country or in your job or in your career or whatever it is, but you're actually a citizen of another place. You're here in this world, but your citizenship is from another place. You are in this world, he says, but you are not of this world. You see, we're actually from another place. Our strength, our sustenance, our nourishment comes from another place, another kingdom, and we experience it here. So he's saying, my kingdom is not from this world, right? But my kingdom, he says, is for this world. It's not from here, but it is for here. So if you have thought about the kingdom of God or heard about the kingdom of God, this phrase, to me, for, for years, it just sort of seemed like this vague, ethereal, sort of wispy place, you know, where little fat cherubs are playing trumpets and harps. And, you know, it's just like this, this vague place. And so when the Pharisees, when some of the, the, the Jewish leaders that were in Jesus' time came to him, and they, they asked him about the kingdom of God. Uh, they, they asked him this. They, they started asking Jesus about the kingdom of God, when it would come, and listen to what he said. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come from observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. He said, for the kingdom of God is within you. Your translation may say, among you. Jesus is saying, the kingdom is not from here, but it is for here. The kingdom is not from this place, but it is here now, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it here and now. Last week, I talked about the Olympian Shawnee Miller, the woman who, run, who won the 400-meter race at the Rio de Janeiro Olympics. Uh, and if you didn't see that sermon, go online. It's up now. And it, it, it's, it's a cool story about how Shawnee Miller wins this race. She had trained. She had practiced. She worked so hard, blood, sweat, and tears. She had failed in 2012. And then in 2016, she gave it her all. And she stretched across the line so much so that she actually dove across the line. She beats Allison Phoenix by 0.07 seconds. It's an amazing story. Um, and so... You know, it, you, you read this story and you go, man, this is, this is a tremendous victory for Shawnee Miller. But when Shawnee Miller got ready to take the medal stand, 
Nobody came to Shawnee and said, hey, Shawnee, um, we're getting ready to have the, the, the medal ceremony. What is your favorite song? We want to play your song uh, during the medal ceremony. Nobody said that. Why? Because Shawnee Miller was not there representing herself. She was there representing the place from which she came. She was an ambassador for the country from which she came. She's from the Bahamas. She was there representing the Bahamas. So when Shawnee Miller took the stand, they didn't play Shawnee Miller's greatest hits. They played the national anthem of the Bahamas. They didn't raise a flag with Shawnee Miller's face on it. They raised the flag of the Bahamas because Shawnee Miller was there as a representative, as an ambassador of a different place. Jesus is saying, when you enter my kingdom, the goal is not self-glory. The goal is not to increase your life. It's not more health, more wealth, more prosperity, more this or more that. Your goal is to represent the kingdom from which you came. You are an ambassador for me. You are representing my kingdom on earth. And that's why Jesus doesn't say, Father, when he prays, he doesn't say, Father, take us out of this kingdom and take us to your kingdom. That's not what he prays. He says, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He said, I want you as my followers to effectuate God's kingdom here on earth. I want you to live in God's kingdom here on earth. And I want you to expand God's kingdom here on earth. The better life that God has for you is the comprehensive rule of God over every area of your life and then ultimately over every area of life. When we submit our heart to God and our life to God and our mind to God and our work to God and our relationships to God, we enter into his kingdom and then we begin to expand his kingdom. So how do we do this? Um, Super Bowl 43. Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals are winning by three points. Uh, uh, Santonio Holmes has already dropped the pass. All right? And the clock is winding down. The escape room is about to close. Folks are about to get kicked out of the stadium. Right? Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, fades back into the pocket. Pressure is on. He fires a bullet into the end zone, back into the back of the end zone. And Santonio Holmes goes up and catches that ball. And look what he does. This, this, is, this is amazing. He's reaching up here to capture the ball. But he's got to keep his feet in the end zone or else the pass is incomplete. If he goes up and catches the ball, but doesn't land in the end zone, incomplete pass, Cardinals win. If he keeps his feet planted, but he doesn't reach up, incomplete pass, Cardinals win. If he's going to win, he's got to keep his feet planted here on the ground, and he's got to reach up for the ball. How do we enter the kingdom of God? We reach up for God's mercy, for his grace, for his peace, for his power, for his forgiveness, for his love, for his hope, and then we bring it here onto the ground. We don't just fly up and, you know, my dad used to say some folks get so heavenly minded they're no earthly good, you know, like, um, I don't think he said that in public and probably I wasn't supposed to either, but, but, 
Um, we've got to reach up for what he has for us, and then we bring it down here through serving, through loving, through giving, through discipling, through pursuing justice in our community. So the question that I have for you as we launch into 2017, who is your king? Who is the king of your life? Because if you want a better life, you got to get a better boss. If you want a better life, if you really want a transformed life, I want to invite you into the kingdom agenda. I want to invite you to allow God to comprehensively rule over every area of your life. And for the next several weeks, we're going to explore what that means in every aspect of life. So I want to invite you to invite somebody and come and let's grow together and learn what it means to experience God as king over our life. What does that look like when a group of people like you and I and all of us together comprehensively and collectively say we want to invite God into our life? First of all, it means that we experience absolute freedom from our past. Guilt, shame, condemnation, fear, hurt, despair, hopelessness, that gets washed away. I'm going to close with this. The Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians and then by extension to us, and this is what he said. He said, God has delivered us from the power of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness and oppression, and he's conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He said, I'm taking you. If you'll follow me, I will take you out of this kingdom of darkness and shame and guilt and fear and oppression. And I will bring you into the kingdom of the love of the Son of God where you will experience his protection and his provision and his power in your life. If you'll allow him to be king, I'll take you out of that kingdom into this kingdom. So what that means for us as a church community is that when we allow God to become ruler and, and king of our life and we enter into his kingdom we experience freedom from the past and then we experience the power the provision and the protection of the future it means that lost people get found hungry people get fed naked people get clothed it means that God's spirit is poured out in our church community and we begin to experience love for one another and service to one another it means that Wherever you come from, rich, poor, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Native American, PhD, GED, old, young, wherever you come from, you begin to become a part of a family under the king. And we serve one another, and we love one another, and we take care of one another, and we expand that into the community, and the heart of the community turns toward the Lord, and we see lives transformed. We see communities transformed as we advance the kingdom of God. Because as a family, we let go of our own agendas, our own personal agendas, and we enter into the kingdom agenda. We let go of the kingdom of self, and as a community, we pursue and we seek the kingdom of God. Let me pray for you, and we close. Father, thank you for your word. God, we just, we ask that you open our minds to understand what you would have us learn from your word.
what it means to pursue you, what it means to open our hearts and experience your kingdom over every aspect of our life, submitting our life to you. God, I pray that each and every one of us here today, those of us who are followers of you and those of us who are just considering becoming followers of you, would know and learn and grow in our understanding of what it means to open up our life and to allow you to be king, to rule and reign supreme over every area of our life. Father, help us as a community to expand your kingdom, to reach out to those who have not met you, to reach out to those who are not experiencing your love, joy, peace, and hope in their hearts, and to open the door for them to experience that also, God. Help us, Lord, to experience not just a better version of the life we already have, but the radical transformation and the better life that you have for us in the kingdom of God. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.